When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Courtside Fracker. I'm joined this week by Nets fan, Sai. Sai, how's it going, bro? I'm good, man. Taking a bit of me time break, so I'm back. Not with happy news, but yeah, there good you to, go. could you ha- <laughs> Yeah, good, <laughs> good, good to have you back. And of course, we'll be getting into all things the Nets uh, later on in the podcast. I'm also joined by Celtic and Celtics fan, uh, Yas. How's it going, Yas? Yeah, man. I mean, yes. Me, me and Sai are on very different sporting <laughs> trajectories right now in the basketball world, so we'll get into that well, for sure. But yeah, all good, man. All good. Good. Good to uh, have you both back on. Uh, before we start and do what we do, got to do the usual, plug the socials. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast and not following on the Twitter, get following at Touchline, Touchline, you know, at Courtside Fracker. Uh, got Yas on there, you got Sai on there, you got Reams on there, you got Lakers fans on there. Um, you get to basically keep up, up with the goings on in the NBA. Anyone who watches knows it's pretty fast paced. And on Monday, your team's great, and by Thursday, you're depressed. Um, so give the Twitter a follow. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, give us five stars, give us a rating, share that. Use the hashtag courtside fracker as well. Join the conversation. And um, with all that being said, um, let's get into it. So let's start at the top and we'll, I'll ease you inside because. I imagine you're gonna have quite a bit to say when it gets to the uh, when it gets to your net. So let's talk about um, all star, all star reserves, and and all star snubs. I guess, um, and that's for that's that's obviously for you two as well. Yeah. So um, let's go to the let's go to the east first. Um, so the reserves we've got in the east are Jimmy Butler of the Miami Heat, Darius Garland of the Cavaliers, James Harden of the Brooklyn Nets, Zach Levine of the Bulls. Chris Middleton of the Bucks, Jason Tatum of your Celtics, yes, and Fred Van Vliet of the Toronto Raptors. Um, what do you guys think? Is there anybody in that list straight away that sticks out to you like they should not be a, an all-star this year? Before we get into they shouldn't, I'm, I'm very glad Van Vliet got picked because Van Vliet and generally Toronto, that's something we'll have to touch on next week or something like Toronto uh, taken balls to overtime and one, taken heat to overtime and one in the last week. Siakam's having a comeback year. Scotty Barnes is doing a madness and Van Vliet has just kind of stepped into the Kyle Lowry shoes and just doing his job. He's, he's doing really well. He's doing really well. He's, he's, a, he's a vet now, they say. He's a vet Perhaps now, yeah. Steady Freddy. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. But, Jerry, man. Jerry. I, I think, I think, yeah, and, and Messiah, like, we'll, I, do you know what? We'll talk about this in the trades, but that Gary Porter trade is aging very well. Um, Sai, I'm going to throw this at you straight away because if you look at the numbers, yeah, I think the All-Star snubs kind of all hinges on whether or not you think Harden should be there. Because I think Garland, they had to have a Cleveland guy in. Had to, for sure, had to have a Cleveland guy in. And I get that Garland gets the headlines more than Jarrett Allen, even though Jarrett Allen had a fantastic year, everything like that. But the guard spots in the East are crammed, right? You've got Trey doing yeah. mad stuff. 
DeRozan listed as a guard didn't help things. Levine having a maybe his best season, well, definitely his best ever season in terms of it translating into winning. Um, and then you had Garland there who's having a breakout year and getting the headlines. He's a hometown boy. The game is happening in Cleveland, et cetera, et cetera. But then you got Lamelo, who's having a very, very, very good sophomore year. Mm. You got Jalen Brown, who is again like when he had his first All Star appearance, people said Jalen underappreciated Brown. Jalen Brown's averaging twenty four a game, but since he come back from his injury, he's averaging like twenty eight, twenty seven. It's, it's a joke. Like he's he's having a a funny year, but a very good one. Um, so I think, and then even like people like Terry Rozier, like I'm not saying he's necessarily nailed on, but Terry Rozier never, ever gets mentioned. He's a massive part of what the, the Hornets do. And then I guess you've got people like Tyler Harrow and stuff like that who are having massive years. So I think a lot of the snub conversation hinges on whether or not you think Harden's play really merits it. Now, obviously it's James Harden. I get the all-star game is a popularity contest, et cetera, et cetera. And if you look at the numbers, like the pure numbers, he's, you know, he's fine. You know, he's still, what's he averaging? He's he's still still getting his assists. Like he had a 12 assist game the other day. Um, his averages are still pretty high. You know, he's still averaging sort of 23 points, you know, eight rebounds, over 10 assists, everything like that. The numbers are fine. But if you actually watch and see Nets Twitter and you see Nets reactions or whatever, he's playing lazy, he's playing half-assed. And now all the trade stuff is suggesting that there's a reason for that. Yeah, some of the worst shooting numbers of his career um, to go alongside yeah. that. Yeah, as well. And, I mean, and we, we, we had a big discussion on Christmas Day about how shit he'd looked. He looked mm. awful up until that point. And then a few of the hardened backers looked very... Very smart because straight after Christmas he had his wind under him and his legs under yeah. him and he was, and he was, he was flying for like a week or two. That, yeah, that turkey had him had him hooping, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it was. I don't know. Maybe he got got a few good nights <laughs> out in him over man. Christmas and then. But yeah, so, so I think a lot of the snub discussion kind of hinges on whether you think he should have been named. So where where are you with that and uh, and his overall play? Because you will have watched it closer than I have. I think I think the All Star conversation gets gets a little bit techy, I'll be honest. Because we know, as, as you said, it is a popularity com- contest. So if we're thinking about the minds of the fans, the reporters, even the players, they're going to look at someone like James Harden and say he's still one of the 20 best players in, in the world. He's still one of the best performers over the course of the season just because not everybody is putting up 23 points per game. Not everyone's putting up seven to eight rebounds and not everyone's getting double-digit assists. So on the balance of play, he still deserves to be an all-star as much as it does feel like a bit of a slap in the face because of the effort, because of the sort of uh, impact that he's having on a game-to-game basis. But when you translate that to someone like Darius Garland, is two different ends of the spectrum. You've got one person ascending, one person declining. Over the next couple of years, it will start to balance out and we will start seeing guys like James Harden get phased out of the reckoning. Mm. This is my thing. That's a, that's a good point you, met, you mentioned there, sir. Uh, uh, sorry. And this is my thing. And I'm cool with that, generally speaking. But when a guy's career is all said and done, they're going to put up how many all-star games they appeared in as a, yeah. as a prerequisite for how good they won, how dominant. So there's always going to be, every year, we know this happens, there's always going to be guys who have played at an all-star level and are better than players 
this se- the season in question have played better than players that are in there. But then guys like Harden's a legacy pick. When it's like this and that, and it's equal between a guy who's upcoming and hasn't made an all-star team yeah. and a guy who's been an all-star, the coaches are always going to pick the guy who's got a legacy, who's got a resume. We discussed it last week's pod with um, Jeff and, and Kay around if we thought Harden was going to get in. And I said, Harden, like, legacy pick-wise, I can see, he's like you say, he's got the numbers on, on the surface. Um, where it just doesn't sit right with me is the fact that if that's the case and we see it as it's a game where fans are here to be entertained, at the end of a player's career, oh, how many all-star games did you make? Tells us how good you were as a player, etc., etc. Um, it gets a bit techy. So not, other than not, ju- not just legacy, there's money on the line money, now. Money, money implications. Yeah, so Jalen, so Jalen so Brown has missed out, right? He, we we know Durant's gonna skip the game, so there's gonna be an extra re- reserve, I think, pick to to fill in for Durant. Yeah, I think. Um, I think Tatum will probably slot in, slot into the front court, and someone else. Be. Yeah. But Jalen Brown misses out on 1.5 mil now, and I only know that because Boston. There's so much of our conversations around the tax <laughs> and ducking it, and our owner <laughs> yeah. being a cheap bastard. But cheeky 1.5 saved, yeah, cheap <laughs> bastard. But um, yeah, Jalen Brown misses out on on over a million quid because of it. So it's not just that as well. And I think Sai, you you touched on it, like the All Star thing. Is uh, is such a. Re- the media and the players and the fans. It's a mess, man. They're so mess. distinct in what they... The fans will K-pop it up for Wiggins and Dub Nation are big enough anyway to have Clay and Wiggins soaring in their votes there. And then the players, like, there's guys around the league who just aren't really that well-liked. So I find that interesting. Like, I think last year, Trey... can't remember what it is this year, but last year, Trey's votes from the players was shocking. Like, um, I don't yeah, know how... Like, I, like, I remember how that's changed people- yeah, people did a 180 on him last season. It's like first season rookie year, brilliant. Then second season, he's a flopper. Steve Nash made some comments, which you'll you'll know about as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Idiot team, yeah, man. Tell that guy shut up. Yeah. Man. But so it's it's funny. I, I would yeah. like to think that I would like to think that us, we are nicely, uniquely positioned in that we're not we're not the nerdy media type, but I guess we are a type of media. We could we have hooper vision, we have stat vision. And we've got this guy's a prick. I don't want him in the game. Or Rudy Gobert's boring to watch in an All Star game. Uh, <laughs> so I think we're I think we're the nice balance. So when we talk All Star, I think we should we should uh, uh, structure that narrative and we should always go with what we think it is. So I don't know, man. I think I think I'd, if, I'd still I think if the votes I'd, I think I'd if the votes were open for much in. longer, I think it would be interesting because you've gone on this seven game skid. Mm. Mm. basically falling into the play-in with him as the main man. Obviously, Kyrie and K- K- Kyrie, we don't need to, but KD out and everything like that. Whereas teams like Toronto, teams like Charlotte, teams like Boston um, are winning now. Uh, and Atlanta are putting a few wins together as well and, and, and stuff like that. And obviously, but I think it would be interesting if the voting was open a bit longer with this skid and how much people would have put that into, into it. But yeah, I think I think the snubs are tough because... Because, like you say, it's um, the popularity is always going to come into it, and then like, yeah. and then you want to talk about front court. Someone like Jarrett Allen, I mean, Jimmy That's Butler's had a, Jimmy, but yeah, Jimmy Butler has had a good year. You know, Chris Middleton's been okay, but Jarrett Allen's been unreal. And mm. I think as well with centers as well, like um, Jarrett Allen is massively important to what they do. It's not just he's you know having good numbers like. Their, their pick and roll numbers with him and Garland. Like Garland, a lot of Garland's assists are thanks oh, to just throwing it up for Allen. 
little skip passes into Jared Allen to do something in the post. So Garland's numbers are very intrinsically linked to Allen for me. Um, and the gravity he takes around the basket opens opens three points like up for Garland. He can go one v one and stuff like that. Um, so Allen, I, I was a bit, I was a bit ah, tough. You know, I think he maybe if it was us, we probably would have snuck in instead of a Middleton or whatever. But I'm yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm real pissed about Jared Allen because I, I think it just highlights the fact that people don't really focus enough on the big man. Like if it's not Embiid and Jokic. People, people wouldn't be able to tell you like hand on heart who they felt was the third or fourth best center. Mm, you get a variety. You get a variety of names. Yeah. yeah, and 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 I think with with a guy like Jarrett Allen who came off the back of such a like steady climb with the Nets. Yeah, to see him finally solidify his role at a place like Cleveland and make them so much better than they were, I think. Should deserves be that recognition. Yeah, yeah deserves. Well, and it's in Cleveland as well. So, yeah, it, it deserves that recognition. I completely agree with you. So let's go over to the Western Conference and the Western Reserves, Devin Booker of the Suns, Luka Doncic of the Mavericks, Rudy Gobert of the Jazz, Draymond Green of the Warriors, Donovan Mitchell of the Jazz, Chris Paul of the Suns and Carl Anthony Towns um, of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, good to see Cat back in the mixer. Um is there anyone on that list that you look at and not an all-star? I think they've done pretty well in the West, in my opinion, but what do you guys think? I just don't know how Devin, what Devin Booker has to do to start. Like, I genuinely don't. They're still obsessed with CP3, man. Speaking about me, I was about to say, maybe he should start being the best player on his own team to start. He's definitely the best player on his own team. No way. That's still Chris Paul's team. One, I'm sh- like, I was I was, coming, I was coming to your line of thinking at a, part, at a time of last year. And then I watched them again this year. And I'm just like, nah, it's still Chris Paul's team, man. Still Chris Paul's team. I've, to be honest, I think the West... Um, I think the West kind of picked itself. I think we're in such a funny time now where West is best, blah, 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 blah. I think the East is just so much more competitive. Um, the West, obviously, you're impacted by people like Kawhi being out, Paul George being out. Um, AD having a AD, down. AD having a down, yeah. LeBron taking a lot of time off. Um, so, so like, the Wiggins stuff, do you know what? It's actually it's at a point where I've... But, on. yeah, but the thing is, the thing is, uh, you look at the the people who could start over Wiggins and it's not in the front court. It's actually really thin. Um, you've either got people putting up good numbers on just tanking teams in the West, but it is thin. I think if you were a real, real, you know, I'm watching every game, then maybe you go for someone like Jaron Jackson Jr. But mm. he's missed time, you know, and he's, but he's had a very steady year where Wiggins has, has got points on a very public team. Whereas Jaron Jackson Junior has kind of snuck up on everyone where, oh, wow, he's actually a massively important player on the fifth best team in the NBA. And and it, you only realise by watching it back how important he's been. But but in terms of All-Star, I get that a Golden State player is going to have extra votes. And everyone's out. Like, Kawhi and Paul George would be nailed on starters. Yeah. And they're not and they're not available. Um, uh, Jamal Murray would be in, in with a shout and he's not available. AD, um, Dame Lillard. There you go. So, so yeah, yeah, Lillard, Lillard. So, so there's a lot of um, a lot of absences. So I think that kind of picks itself. And also with the West, it's funny where you've probably got like five good teams, and then it's yeah. a massive drop. Whereas in the East, there's about five games separating first and twelfth, or something like that. Something mad like that. 
Whereas uh, the the West it is kind of picks itself. So I think the West is less of a debate and and less of an interesting playoff picture as a result. I think as well. Mm. Is there anyone who didn't make the West team that you think, oh, they were they were a bit hard done by this year? I'd, I'd say as 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 you guys mentioned, I think Jaron Jackson deserved deserved that shout this year. Although because... Draymond's in and will probably miss it, so I'll be yeah, interested. If, I'll be interested if he slips in for him. Out, right. Yeah, so I'd be interested if he slips in for him. But but I think Cat is a great one. Like, I'm glad Kat, I would have actually gone Cat as a starter over Wiggins personally. But um, but Cat's a great one. I'm glad Cat is doing something like winning now. Um, I had to I had to I had to sign off an elaborate sign off on the Twitter the other day because it was me bigging up the Timberwolves, and I had to just be like, no, seriously, this isn't Reams. Like it's not it's not Reams. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if anyone's noticed, you know, that we've we've given a, a new panelist the login, and I've never seen so much Timberwolves prop from a UK or European, maybe even American account in my life. Uh, so I think we're the biggest Timberwolves hub outside of Minneapolis right now. It won't last long anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> How about uh, Dejounte Murray? Tough, hard number. Yeah. Go on, Sai. Yeah, I. <laughs> it's, 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 it's crazy to me the disparity in 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 like um perception is really really weird to me it's like someone like Darius Garland will make it but someone like Dejounte Murray who has literally taken a leap to be in supremely supremely skilled isn't there like he's averaging close to a triple double we made all that song and dance about Russell Westbrook doing it with broken three-pointer and inability to really do anything other than pass to an assist. And then you got DeJounte doing all the things that Russell Westbrook can't do, plus the majority of the things that he can do and not making an all-star DeJo- game. DeJounte but... has been outstanding, but while Cleveland yeah. have 30, 32 wins, the Spurs have yeah. 34 losses. And that's that's going to play a part in it. Yeah, like, it plays they, a part. They're just not very context, good. Context, man. Context. I I agree, by the way. I'm a big proponent of individual accolades, individual performance. I I don't, I think it's a fine line where winning starts impacting that, but I get why he's maybe, I think if, if, if they're 500 or a few games over 500, it changes it. But, um, but yeah. So yeah, that, that, that would be my, my two, my, my two would be triple J and and DeJounte. Somehow you got to try and squeeze them in. But it is what it is. We lost Mariah. <laughs> we lost Mariah. Holy shit. Oh, we lost Mariah. <laughs> All right, well, moving on. Next thing we were going to move on to was Brooklyn anyway. So, I mean, putting the L in Brooklyn right now is Jimbo Harden and part-time Kyrie. Seven losses on the spin. And again, like what I find hilarious, again, like this this could age terribly. So I'm gonna bear with um you've got you De- think you've got Denver later tonight, right? Yeah, and we It'll have our, our fifth fifth road win or fifth road game in the West. Okay, so let's say you lose that and we win tonight. Considering the season we've had, which has felt like the world is caving in many a time. If you lose and we win, we play each other Tuesday night and it's ba- we could leapfrog you. The Celtics could leapfrog the Nets in the standings. Now, I get that. KD being out is a problem. Kyrie being part-time is a problem. But this is the risk they played. This is the risk that they looked at, analysed and said, yeah, it's worth it when they put these three guys together. Because if you have those three guys, you're not going to have the depth. 
So talk me through this, right? It seems like a mess outside looking in. Let's talk about how it's actually been on the court before we get to the actual trade discussion or anything like that. Let's just talk about what is happening on the court, nuts and bolts, X's and O's. You're relying on rookies more so than you would have planned to. Patty Mills is starting when the guy screams sixth man. Um, I've been saying it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is. All right, He's all right listen. <laughs> it's, it's, it's literally a simple... It's, what is on the floor and how have you managed to so spectacularly put that capital L in Brooklyn right after the K, right before the Y. So I think I think one of <laughs> one of the things one of the things that's important is to obviously look back to what we were last season, just to contextualize it a bit. Last season we had a bunch of role guys at the guard spots who were established enough in the NBA and just needed a home to sort of show those little little sort of skill sets that can elevate a team from good to great or average. So remind me that remind me that rotation. Remind me the guard rotation. Of we had guys like we had guys like Landry Shamet. Yeah, yeah, on the like, Suns now. That's that's a that's a that's a that's a big one in terms of that. Um, obviously, I'm trying to remember who we had at at the point guard spot now when Kyrie was out. Um, I want to say guard and wings. Obviously, Bruce Brown played a lot more minutes last season than he has this year. We had uh, Jeff Green, not so much a guard, but played... No, but Jeff Green was a big part of what he did. Played from the three to the five over the course of the season. um, Did a lot on the defensive end. If you just take those those guys by themselves, you're looking at guys who, over the course of a season, can give you starter minutes if necessary. Your favourite boy, Joe Harris as well as being missing. Uh, Joe Harris yeah. Joe Harris isn't isn't a factor. He's not a factor. <laughs> like honestly, we 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 don't look any better or any worse with with or without him. Oh, I'll be telling Yeah, you. that's that's your fourth highest earner, isn't it? Precisely. <sighs> so if if you if you just look at those guys and then you look at guys like DeAndre who obviously weren't good on court at all, but you could tell had some sort of pull in the back back areas of, of the team and sort of bolstered the teamwork and the camaraderie and all of that stuff. That's a lot of turnover from season to season. If you're if you're looking at four guys that are active parts in your rotation being pretty much either shift out or having massive changes of roles, it's not really going to blend, is it? And all, all through last season, I said, Steve Nash has not decided on a starting rotation or a sort of a backup rotation over the course of the season. He tinkermaned his way to the playoffs. And as soon as as soon as uh, Harden wasn't himself, it all bottomed out. Moving into this season, what we made we made three ad- additions. We went and got Patty Mills, we went and got Bembry, and we went and got Javon Carter. It's like, come on, fam. Yeah, but you know what, Patty, like, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not. I, I get that starting Patty Mills is, is maybe a bit of an issue at times. But Patty Mills was seen as a great acquisition for the fringes. Bembry has been massively important from what I've seen because you didn't. You need someone to just do the dirt. Um, do you know who I just looked at the roster and who I think you miss a lot in terms of just being able to switch out and play and hit big shots? Luau Cabarro is a bit of a miss. He like, was. And I think he, he was a good. He was a good piece. The, the the reason why he he got paid quite no? forgettable is he had he had stretches until the playoffs where he played well and then he was yeah. pretty much pretty okay, much anonymous. 
But so, but this is the this is the problem though. Like you, I'm not trying to be revisionist. Yeah, you put those three guys together, and there was two criticisms. One is there's only one ball. Cool. You lot pretty early discovered that Kyrie will work off ball, and KD and Carden can play. No problem. So you lot quickly figured out that that one is is was a, a baseless criticism. The other criticism was that we're putting three divas together. We're putting together a guy in James Harden who has, <laughs> like, I, I can't even think of an analogy, but it's it's like it's like the prince who never had to lift a finger himself the whole time in Houston. Like, everything was catered directly to him. He even got, like, throw his toys out of the prime to get to Brooklyn. Then you've got KD, who loves a burner account, you know, loves a complaint, loves getting a bit upset with certain things. And then you've got Kyrie Irving, I don't think we need... Well, I mean, look, Kyrie Irving left both the previous teams on terrible terms. So, I mean, like, forget... Uh, away from the ins and outs and what people's yeah. opinions of Kyrie are, he left, the Cle- he left the Cavs on terrible terms. He left Boston on terrible terms. And so, yeah. then you... There's actually a really good piece on Kyrie in The Athletic. It came out the other day. And it's a guy who was really well-intentioned with it. And, he, you know, Kyrie's a good guy. Like, no one's saying he's a prick. But... He's a very emotional guy, and you're tying your your boat to three guys who are very emotional guys, right? Um, that was the second criticism. The second criticism was, are these three guys going to be who you kind of want to rely on? And it was said from the off, like, uh, the Celtics, a lot, I can tell you, were just like, all the best with Kyrie. It's not going to go well. <laughs> Kyrie has missed way more games than he's played, not just through choosing not to get a vaccine, but... You know, he, he felt something go in his shoulder. This is actually in the piece. He felt something go in his shoulder in his first season after he was having career numbers. He looked amazing. I was furious. He looked yeah. amazing. I was, <laughs> I was hating. It was right. Um, pure hatred. Pure hatred because he come off two really good years individually in Boston. He made um, an All NBA team with you guys, didn't he? Second. Yeah. Listen, he was he was our best player of the second year. It was the vibes off the court, which mm-hmm. again. He's no, 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 but he is a problem because he's not there half the time. He's not. If we you have him on the we, floor, we would have been time. able to deal with that, man. We would have been able to deal with no, that. No, but and you can't because this... no, but this is the thing. You have three stars, so you have no depth. So but if one of your three stars point. is injured, and then the, the other one doesn't play half the time, it's again, it's interesting in the piece like that. The way he shut himself down with a shoulder is it's like he just cut the next doctors off. And again, like it's, it says it, it's, it's interesting. It's like it's 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 normal for players to get their own doctors that they trust, second opinions, everything. But it's rare for them to cut the nets off and just them not even know when he's going to play again. Like, yeah, I think, the I three... think that, that, that side of it, that side of it is nice, right? But as we but said... I'm, I'm trying to be as objective as possible. So you tell me why it's wrong that you have three stars, no depth. One of them's injured. Cool. You need the other two to pick up the pace. And one of them has chosen to not play half the games. So it is a problem. Like just in terms of guys on the floor, to, he hasn't chosen not to play this season. It's like if, I mean, if they could have if they could have made the concession midway through mid roof midway through the first half of the season, whether or not it's the said, right choice, I'm said, not debating. Oh, but can, it's, you can or can't play away games. If if they had allowed him to, then we're not having this conversation. But but he's but, played in a okay. different state. We're I, not right, having this I, conversation. I think is I think it's a choice. Where, I'm not saying whether the morality of the choice is right or wrong. But it's a choice, you know. He's prioritizing yeah. health yeah. over basketball. Let's put it. Coming let's into, put, the, I'll coming put some into shine the season, on it. Nobody, nobody knew that. 
coming into the season, nobody knew that he wouldn't be able to play. Last season, he was able to play home and away. Okay, I'll put it this way. As soon as, season, as soon as, as soon as, okay, put it this way, put it this way, put it this way. You know he can't play half the games. It doesn't look like that's going to change. If I'm an organisation and there's a guy who we haven't extended a contract offer to because we're not 100% on what his availability is going to be, like, if, if you ran a team, let's say you ran the, you live east, right? Let's say you ran the Aldgate, uh, Aldgate uh, Aero Jets or something, and a guy is like, I, I'm only going to play half the games. Like, it's a problem. So either you get more help in through trading someone else or you move him for a start. So I, I, I'm not saying like, I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying for the product on the floor, it's part of, you, it's part you of the banked yeah. on these three guys. The availability of one was in question anyway because KD was coming off of his, his Achilles tear. Harden was an Iron Man, but like I was saying in the group chat recently, like there's like you could you're available, 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 and then all of a sudden you hit 31, 32, and you're not, and it looked it's yeah. awful. Like Dame, he's out with an oblique injury for what feels like the entire season. They're probably just going to shut him down going off the trade. Uh, Kemba, we signed and he was playing 82 games a year in Charlotte, and then we signed him and his knees turned to jelly. Uh, and not in a nervous way. Uh, and then Harden is like Harden. The the thing, the worrying thing about Harden is he said he was healthy coming into this year. I remember it was on Instagram. It was like, watch out for a healthy James yeah, Harden. Yeah. But and again, but this is the thing. And and hamstrings are a scary thing. Like hamstrings are the like the hamstrings are a bit out of all muscle injuries. And I hope maybe if there's a listener here who's a medical, they might correct me. I'm not 100. But as far as I know, hamstrings are the biggest case of if you have one, two, three. You're gonna have four, five, six. I think it's the biggest prevalence of a former injury being a cause of reoccurring. Yeah, yeah. So once hamstrings start to go, you're in bubble wrap, and so that's what we've tied the wheel to. So I think it is a problem, like that you've got a part-time guy as one of your three stars and two now unreliable stars of injury based off the last eighteen months. Mm. I think that is a problem. Now I think maybe we go into the trade discussion now because I think the Harden situation might be a blessing in disguise for you. In the Before, before we go into the trade discussion, yeah. I, I did want to talk a little bit or find out size thoughts. And you mentioned it a couple of pods ago on, on how Steve Nash is managing this situation. It's not, it's not the best situation, but we know what the league is like. You see all sorts of teams who come into the season. They're going to be the worst team in the West and they, they've got themselves competing for, they've got themselves competing for a playing space or maybe in a playing. So how many wins is he adding as a coach? How, how how is he plugging the gaps in the roster? How is he improving the sum of your parts, if at all? He's he's not. And and that's that's the brutal, honest truth. Uh with him coming in, obviously there was a lot of rumblings about what relationships was he bolstering in order to get the job in the first place. Obviously him and KD had some form of relationship. And obviously, Sean Marks is from that sort of tree that would look at a Steve Nash and say, yeah, that's going to be my guy. But realistically, he's a rookie coach or now a second year coach, and he's tasked with winning a championship. We don't we don't know. We don't know what sets or what sort of identity markers are there for Steve Nash as a, as a head coach. Last year, he had Mike D'Antoni sort of plugging the gaps with the offensive schemes and things like that and we saw the benefit of that much to my dismay because I'm not a Dan Tony fan but if you have someone like James Harden if you have someone like Kyrie and if you have someone like Kevin Durant what you need to be able to do is find a blend of players 
around them that complement their skill sets. That doesn't just stop in a starting lineup that includes all three. You need to be able to do that when one or two of the guys are out as well. And he's categorically failed at doing that. Mm. In the first few games last season, obviously, we still had Karis LeVert and we had Jared Allen. We had our full sort of Brooklyn grit complement with Kyrie and KD. And what we saw is he found roles, or naturally they slotted into roles that accentuated their skills while also also elevating the skills of the top guys. As soon as that Harden trade got made, every rotation was different. On on a game-by-game basis, I didn't know who was going to start. Sometimes you would see uh, flipping Blake Griffin at the five. Other times you see him pretty much playing in a free big lineup. And you're like, come on, my guy. Like, this doesn't make sense. Mm. This season, you've landed on two rookies in Dayron Sharp and Kessler Edwards, who have the energy, the length, the sort of just sheer sheer determination to be some sort of plus point in a rotation. But instead, you end up playing James Johnson as a starter sporadically for no reason. The guy's hardly played any minutes this, this season. A couple of games ago, I've seen him bringing the ball up. I'm like, what the fuck are we looking at? He's not renowned um, as a point forward. He's from, not renowned as that. From the outside looking in, it looks like his technique this season or his is just play as KD as much as I can. And you look at KD's minutes and he's playing the most minutes that he's played since 2014 when he's when he's in his uh, mid, coming into his mid-30s. And obviously now KD's gone down, which it just spells disaster. Um, so as Yas was mentioning, let's, let's talk around trades. I mean... The rumors are, are, are they're, they're screaming in my ear at this at this point, Sai, and they they circle around Jimmy James Harden, whatever you want to call the guy at this moment in time. Um, he's been linked with the 76ers, who've also got an All Star who doesn't want to be there from the sounds of things. Um, what is I guess two questions? Um, how receptive would you be to the trade? And secondly, what truth do you think there is in the trade? So. I'd only be receptive if I had confidence in Steve Nash playing Ben Simmons as a small ball five, being the fulcrum of the offense, playing playing basically Draymond Green role. And again, even that's a long shot because Draymond League, Dray, Draymond Green will let the thing fly if he's open. Ben Simmons won't. So it's still fundamentally a very, very different player trying to fit him into a role that is the only option for him. Yeah, you're right. Tr- I, think, I think Ben, but Ben does have, you know, aspects that like Draymond doesn't in terms of handle and transition speed. And, you know, like he's, he, you're right. He, he, he won't shoot at all ever. Um, And I agree with you that I think him as a five, there is the best case scenario. But if you have, let's say him, KD, obviously you want the ball in KD's hands a lot, but as a secondary player, it could be good. You've got KD there, you've got Kyrie there. Half the time, uh, <laughs> Kessler Edwards there, who's who's doing amazing on his two way contract, nearly at forty percent from three on like three or four shots a game. Uh, Patty Mills, who's a sniper, Benbury's not going to hit many shots, but you know he's he's there just to grind people down or whatever. Um, I think if you've got enough shooting around it, it's okay. If you've got KD there, I think that's maybe the one player in basketball, along with Giannis, who Ben Simmons might be four v five on offense, but KD. Equip like balances that because he's just so unguardable. So, so I'm with you, but I think 
there's elements of Ben's thing which, yeah, he's not Draymond, but you know, he might help in different ways. Um, of course, of course. I think, I think more so. I think the transition side of things almost speaks for itself. Uh, he's one of the best players in basketball going downhill in transition. But we know what happens over the course of a season, especially at the Nets. If we're not dialed in defensively, it becomes a half-court, half-court battle. We tend to lose it, even with even with the, 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 the sort of uh, spoils of riches that we have, right? So... We're looking at what pieces are around Ben Simmons when Kyrie is out, because we know that's a factor. Patty Mills has already shown that he can't play in the starting lineup because he's a spark plug. He needs to be able to be perpetual mo motion. That's his role. That's always been his role. So we're then looking to Kessler Edwards. Again, he's doing fantastically, but would you say that he's a direct complementary piece to Ben Simmons? I'm not sure. You're looking well, at he's, uh, I think I think as well, it goes back to the planning aspect. He's on a two-way contract, so in, right. a, in a in a normal season, he wouldn't even be allowed to play in the playoffs. Like I, I can't remember what the rules are now. I think they might have changed it, but he's he was he was he was like, yeah, you can you can come and and hang around for a bit, play. I think the cap is like 50 games in the season for two-way players usually. So he <laughs> clearly not in the plan. It's yeah, very nice exactly. that Brooklyn have done it again and found a diamond in the rough, but very not in the plan. We're looking at Cam Thomas, Thomas who again for all intents and purposes, is doing fantastically as a rookie coming off the bench. Again, playing that spark plug role. So you're looking at what other players could we get in that trade to sort of pad out the roster? I know I was pitching that Houston should have snatched off uh, Philly's hands for that because, I, A, I wanted to see Harden and Embiid just because I thought it would be shits and giggles. And I thought Ben Simmons, within that sort of scope of identity that they had over there, Again, it would have been it would have been good to see him with a bunch of young guys running and gunning. Matisse Tybal and uh Tyrese Maxey were the two players that I was looking at that would have been good trade bait in that hardened trade. But neither one of those guys fit into what we're trying to do. So I think as well the problem you have, the the like if we're gonna go off the it's like Mariah said at the top of the episode, <laughs> the NBA goes quickly. This is probably going to age terribly. By the time we finish recording, the trade might even be done. Um, yeah. I remember the original Harden trade. We mentioned like as a as a sort of throwaway thing we'd seen on Twitter, and then it was done by the next episode and stuff. Um, but the the latest, latest, latest thing on the Sixers is, and this is a local reporter, is mm. that, uh, and I'll read the quote exactly. The idea that they. Uh, as in Philadelphia, should have to give up multiple valuable trade chips for a disgruntled player who could walk away from Brooklyn in the summer. That's the other thing. He's not. He's out yeah. of contract. Um, who's already? He. It's already been mocked internally. So the Sixers are there. Like, hold on. Harden's going to walk. Harden is as as Shams is reported not happy. Doesn't mm. want to be there. Frustrated with Kyrie, according to Bleacher Report. Um, the Sixers just don't believe they should have to give up more than Simmons. Um, and I think that's where the problems are going to be. Is that where do you where do you stand? Do you agree with that? I think Simmons. I don't know what the fuck the Sixers think Simmons' value is. You have like let's take everything away. Just take let's go as objective as possible. Great defensive player, great playmaker has failed in the postseason. Like he's very easy to scheme for in the postseason, and has. 
is is mental states being questioned like let's not dance around like if again you're talking about highest high level competitive sport these people need to have the the mental strength and the psychological resilience to be able to play through the maddest pressures that we don't even go through on a day-to-day and and my man's citing mental health issues as, as why he's not ready to play now whether or not that's you know a way to circumvent certain issues i don't know but he hasn't played in a year, so what's his game shape going to be? Um, he's not had great postseason moments. Obviously, this whole thing has stemmed from him failing, failing in the postseason. So my biggest thing is they, they're still treating him like he's been playing and putting up 30 a night. It's, it's not that. like The value of him is at the all-time low. So I think, yeah, I think they... And, and Daryl Morey loves Harden. So in terms of his mind, I think they do need to give up a little bit more. They need to give it up at least at least one more player. Ultimately. Yeah, and 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 I think I think um I think they'd have to. It would it would have to be a small one to make the contracts work. They'd have to give up something small. But the report seems to be, and I get it, but I get the other side of the table. Like Maury's a tough negotiator. He doesn't make bad trades. The other side of the table is hold on a minute. We could get this guy could walk in three months and come here for absolutely nothing. Um. So I guess that's what they're. But then they'd still have to find. They'd still have to find. Yeah, they'd have to maneuver it, but you know, signing trades and this and the other. But, but um, yeah. So I get it. I I get it. But I mean, how do you? Let's take away the Simmons thing. Do you think moving Harden in isolation would help your season? I'm not. I'm not 100 convinced. To be perfectly honest, I think there's there's other other places within our roster that if you get upgrades we're a better team. Right. And this is kind of where I'm at. Like if you, if you go through your roster and I guess this kind of leads into more, more general trade chat before the, before the deadline, like you say the Kyrie thing is not a problem. I think having three stars and no depth and two of the stars being injury concerns and one of the stars being part-time is a problem. Not uh, again, reiterate away from the whole morality about it. You could debate it till the, the cows come home, but just thinking about what you can put out there on the floor and how much of your cap is going to certain players that can't be relied upon, I think is a problem. But I think you lot have a lot more to offer in trades than you realise. When you made that Harden move, even forget the Harden move, when you made the KD Kyrie move, you committed implicitly, silently, that you needed to win a title in the next four years. That's that's 100%. the shelf life. That's 100%. the shelf life of those guys, right? So but for that's me, part, that's part but, of the reason but, but, why I wasn't for the hardened trading. Yeah, track. yeah, I, I get that. I get that. Because but, but my point is, my point is, you have more than people like Cam Thomas is a rookie. Cam Thomas is a top scorer. Like he's such a good skilled scorer. There's no way he, he you're gonna have his prime next to KD. Like, okay, the problem with these guys is they're on rookie scale deals. There's not a lot of money to throw into the trades. But Cam Thomas, people would be. There would be a lot of rebuilding teams who love a Cam Thomas. There would be a lot of rebuilding teams who like the look of De'Ron Sharp. There would be a lot of rebuilding teams who, if you uh, gave, what's his name? Kessler Ebb was a, a long, uh, a guaranteed contract. They'd be really like what they're seeing of him. That's three rookies. Okay, look, the money's not great. But that's three people who people would be very, very interested in. Someone like Joe Harris, then, could be the, the sweetener where... Yeah, but that's the thing. He he's the only thing you have on in money wise that can really that can really you know change things up. And then that's why I asked about the Harden thing in isolation because (laughs) all things being honest, if he's actively 
a detriment to the team. That's a big chunk of change that you could send anywhere in the league. Anywhere would be buzzing to get him. It's a rental, but they might see it as a Kawhi-esque rental to boost them. And then you you get three 10 million guys on, in the deal. Like I think there's more flexibility on that next roster than people realise. And I don't think Harden for Ben necessarily is the move. I think I think if Harden is not going to get you a championship and he might leave in the summer, then you entertain more than just Ben Simmons in Philadelphia for him. He only wants to go to Philadelphia. Give a fuck. Someone will have him for a rental. Not a problem. Cam Thomas, rebuilding teams would love. Dayron Sharp, rebuilding teams would like. Kester Edwards, rebuilding teams would like. Joe Harris, he's injured. So, you know, that's a maybe that's a that's a bit of a problem with physicals and whatever. But you throw him into a deal. Paul Millsap is another two million to throw onto a deal. I'm sure he's he's been he's looked old as fuck this year. Yeah, I'm sure he I'm sure he he Useless acquisition, made, made but, no but, sense whatsever. Yeah, yeah, and and swapping in for Jeff Green's been a the Marcus Aldrich has hardly suited up this season. Like, and that was very much make that was make that was make a wish. That was make a wish. What, but, what I'd say, what I'd say is, there's, there's, I think you have. I think my point, my point is, I think you have. You, I think the move is. I think you're right. There's two ways, but my thing would be, look at the fringes as much as just one big splash for Harden. 100%. That's what I, I, I think. I think you either move Harden or categorically double down. And find a way to facilitate him, which the only way to do that is to get a role man. That's it. You go, you go, you you get rid of the three-point shooter and you go and get someone like Miles Turner. That's my that's my looking at it. We need rim protection, we need someone to combine with Harden. We need bodies, we need big bodies. Those are the options. You either get rid of Harden or you get a big. That's it. Because okay. all of the rest of it. Although the rest of it is easier to pad out in the NBA. There's a bunch of little guys. We've got three rookies who are contributing. That's not really the issue. The issue is we have a massive roster gap and we have a guy that requires that massive roster gap to be filled in order to be effective. So if you do Don't want really. to be there, yeah. facilitate him. Stop fucking about. Stop getting guys who don't fit the profile to fit with somebody who is integral to what you're trying to achieve like it, cool. to me it's just been silly i hear you and just and just to finish up obviously when this all happened you know k kd Kyrie, james harden we spoke about how, how long you'd been in the desert as a nets fan and life <laughs> is great obviously things haven't quite turned out how we thought they would we were, we were doing the whole not one not two not three um so for you, if this trio ends up not winning anything and they disband, obviously KD's um, tied himself down for the next um, few years. Um, but if this trio disbands and ends up not not winning anything, how how do you sum up this this um, couple of years for the Nets? Uh, it would be massively disappointing, but I would ultimately be proved right in the fact that I didn't want Harden in the first place. And everyone called me a madman. How do you tell? And that's what really fuck? counts, isn't it? Win or lose, as long as you were right. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because it don't make a it don't make a bit of difference to me. The nets, the nets were were flipping fringes of the playoff before, and I was happy as a fan because mm. that shit was enjoyable to watch, and it was pure as basketball, isn't it? Like it is yeah. what it is. Before cool. then, I've seen I've seen this team win ten games over the course of a season. I've also seen us make the Eastern Conference Finals or make the finals and get absolutely battered. Yeah. So 
it don't really make too much of a difference to me. I would like to see us go that step further, especially with this unit. But ultimately, Harden specifically, I didn't want him. If it doesn't work out, we retool, we re-up, and I think we can improve. It's not impossible for us to do it without James Harden. You go again. Cool. Um, yes, let's let's come across to the East. And um, you're not wearing a Boston Celtics jersey, but you're very much giving Celtics vibes this this um, Sunday. Um, you're Still Boston Celtics. Away. You've won just, your last just Glasgow, just Glasgow, just Glasgow. You've won your last four. You're seven, seven and three in your last ten games. Um, the 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 carousel continues with you lot. Um, I haven't caught much of you, but I've been checking the box scores as you do. Um, Tatum Brown look like they're having a good time. I know you speak quite a bit about Rob Williams as well. Um, how are things going on in 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 Boston at the moment? You liking what you're seeing? Yeah, it's been it's been a uh how do I word this? Baptism of fire for Ime Odoka. Like he he looked for the first month of the season, month and a half, he really did look deer in headlights. Um and I was concerned, I won't lie. Like I was like, not just for me, but just like as a fan, but like I honestly wasn't sure. I think they'd give him the season and then if it didn't improve, maybe you know, mutually separate in the summer. I think the thing that he always had going for him as a coach is Tatum was offered input in um, the coaching selection. He kind of declined it, which is a very Tatum thing to do. He's very, very laid back. He kind of was like, nah, I trust him to make a decision. Um, but allegedly, Ime Odoka had left a very, very good impression on Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart through Team USA. Um, and he like, he was in, I mean, he was in Brooklyn last year and he, he was a Philly the year before um, and in Greg Popovich coaching tree before that. So, but he's got his reputation of being very, very good with um, players and relationships and everything like that. I wasn't seeing it. Like the first six weeks of the season, seven weeks of the season, the guy was like, it was a bit high school. Like he was coming out and, and there's a way to call people out. And it was very, we got punked. We got our asses kicked. We this, we that. Da, 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 da. They need to do more. And it was just a bit like, Listen, mate, I don't know if you've been watching Boston for the last few years, but the last thing we need is um, a bad dressing room atmosphere. It's not really gone well, you know. Um, so maybe just lighten the touch a little bit. But it's he's been learning, isn't it? And I think that's where so many of the frustrations come from. Being a rookie head coach is tough. Like people don't really, yeah. people don't really clock like how different it is. Just calling everything on the floor in the NBA, the right set, the right time, the right play. Um, after timeout stuff. It's funny, we we rank pretty high after timeout. I think us and Dallas with Jason Kidd are like the top two after timeout teams in terms of um, field goal percentage and stuff. But for the first six weeks of the season, we were a mess. Like we, yeah. after timeouts, we looked like shit. We looked like no one knew what was going on. We were having Dennis Schroeder finish games with the last possession and stuff. And it was like, listen, he, he he's done okay, all things considered, but holy shit, don't do that. Jason Tatum step back freeze are just like you. It's mad. It's got to a point now. Last night, Russell Westbrook was setting up for a three in the crypto.com arena in LA, the Cryptwalk arena. Basically, asked him not to shoot. They went, No, you could hear it. So, Boston hasn't got that bad. But when Jason Tatum is taking a step back side step three with a bit left on the shot clock, you can hear the garden just groan. Like, he's he. Sometimes he can get hot, but it's just go to the your six ten, bro. Go to the basket, my brother, please. However, all that being said, um, since December twenty fifth, and the reason I sort of 
pick that date is just because we, we played Milwaukee on Christmas Day. We fumbled it. We vomited all over ourselves in the fourth quarter, which has been the theme of our season. Um, but we that since then, we've kind of just been a bit better and our schedule's got a little bit more balanced. We had like a tough West Coast road trip where we got battered. Um, but that's kind of been the story of the season so far. We, we build these amazing leads. We were 25 up against Chicago. We were 19 up against Cleveland. We were, I think, 16 up going into the fourth quarter against Milwaukee on Christmas Day. Since uh, Christmas Day, and I'm using this just to look at the numbers, we are... In the fourth quarter, the 19th best team in terms of net rating, points scored, points conceded over 100 possessions in the fourth quarter. Since Christmas Day, uh, in general, we're... Oh, meant to be right up. We're right. We're right up there, basically. Like, we're the second best net rating team uh, in 2022. Um, we've hit a bit of a rhythm. We, we're starting to move the ball more. People are getting involved. Marcus Smart's having his best season as a playmaker. He's back to all, all first-team level defense. He's been unreal. He looked a bit heavy the year before, and it and it wasn't great. Um, but we're, we live and die by what we do defensively, isn't it? Like, you've got Al Horford, Rob Williams, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart as a starting five defensively. That's outstanding. Um, Fourth best at the minute, bro. Yeah, there we go. And that's, and that's on the season, and that's that's taking into account our rough start, taking into account our fourth quarter implosions, and we're still fourth best. And then if you look at the people above it, it's only Cleveland, I think, third, who are getting rave reviews for having three seven-footers and Mobley and Allen being these unbelievable defensive players. And then I think Phoenix and Golden State, who are just super teams at this point. So defensively is what we need to hang our hat on. The problem with that for me is we our offensive talent, if we miss even one guy, we look like shit. And that, in summary, is is where we're at, really. Um, okay. We don't have the depth to miss even one guy. Like we're talking a lot about Schroeder, the deadline, because we've only got him this year. He's probably not going to stay, and he's been he's not good off the bench. Basically, his his starter to bench minutes are ridiculously different. Um, and Marcus Smart is our point guard, so we're talking about dealing him, dealing him, and I'm just like everyone. All right, oh, cool, I, I get it, but you're really going to get rid of an NBA player for? A couple picks, second round, and then we had we played fucking Detroit the other night, G League Detroit, not even playing Cade, and our we put the rookies or not the rookies, the sophomore, the young guys in for the last four and a half minutes, and I think they were a minus eighteen, like <laughs> it, was it was a joke. Like I think the only buckets they got were free throws because uh, Detroit were trapping to to foul against the clock. So the depth is a massive, massive problem. Um, but defensively, we're outstanding, but. It's a very we're a very interesting trade deadline team. I have no idea what they're going to choose to do. There's so many options, but I don't know which one they're going to choose. Mm, so, I guess you, like I said, you're not, you're on a good run. What are your expectations for your Celtics between now and the end of the season? <sighs> this is the problem with Boston. I said last year, I said last year, probably on this podcast, and I got told, "Nah, you can't tank. You can't tank." Last year was an unbelievable excuse to tank with the COVID ravaging everyone, right? And the health and safety protocols. I said, look, this is the last year. Jalen Brown's 24. Jason Tatum's 22. Smart's 26. Rob Williams is 22, 23. Tank it up, bruv. I don't give a fuck. We're not <laughs> going to do anything. Like, from the trade deadline, tank it up, get into the lottery, and then look at the team around us that managed to do that in Toronto. Managed the lottery. I was got them a fourth pick. Got Scotty Barnes. That's going to be a... 
winning impact player for the next 10 years if they want him to be. Like, mm. that's the quality you get. Even like, if you look further down the draft, Franz Wagner went uh, seventh and he's he's the dark horse for rookie of the year. He's up being unbelievable. Um, like, okay, we the, the counter argument is we got rid of our first round pick to get off Kemba. But if we were fucking seventh, we're not throwing that pick in there. It was only because we were, we were 16th, like middle of the, of the first round. We don't really have that luxury now. I think now it sounds silly, but they've used that year up. Jalen Brown has two years left before he becomes unrestricted. If the vibes aren't good, you can see him just looking to an Atlanta where he's from or this, that, and the other. Tatum we've got for four years. That's not really a problem. But then if if Brown goes, then you wonder what Tatum's saying. So I think they kind of have to just try to compete now. I think it's at that point. They, They keep trying to... Um, keep this flexibility for a big star in the offseason. But the only one that we're really linked with is Bradley Bill because he's Tatum's mate. I do not want Bradley Bill. He's turning 30. He's got a wrist issue. He's having a poor year. Like, he's getting mm. numbers only because he's chucking. Like, he's Volume. chucking. Mm. Yeah, bro. There's, there's only one ball, like you say. Yeah, and he's not going to get that volume here. He's not a playmaker like Harden or Kyrie or KD are. So he's not going to get that volume in Boston. So I'm I'm out on that move altogether. Um, yeah, I, I think they have to compete, but I don't think there's a huge amount they have. The only issue is we've got Art Horford, 26 million. Now, we didn't give him that money. Philadelphia did. That's why he left, because he was like, fucking at me, seriously, Al Horford at 34. After cash out, the last, the last dance. Yeah, we got him back. Been a much better... He's been a good trade. Like, every move Brad Stevens has made has been good. Fournier out, Josh Richardson in, having a career year. Brilliant. Um... Uh, Kemba out, Horford in. He's contributed to make us top three, top four defensive team in the league. Amazing. Um, those moves are great. We've and we've kept trade exceptions and stuff like that. Invisible ghost cap space. But the Horford problem is he's. He, I just talked about it with Joe Harris. You don't have many contracts there which are movable. Rob Williams is on a discount. We're not getting rid of him. He's been unreal. Mm. Horford's twenty six million. As much as he's a big part of our defense being so good, and you want him against an Embiid and a Giannis, you, you wonder if that twenty six could be just used a little bit better. Whether I, I would be interested in like our young guys aren't getting the reps, so I would potentially be interested in Harris, Harrison Barnes and crap for Horford, and maybe we give them some young players or something like that. Um, but. At the same time, I don't want to just trade Horford for the sake of trading Horford because he's a big part of what we do defensively. But that that money is is hanging with the impending trade deadline. So I think the two moves are going to be Schroeder to just get under the tax. Horford, Horford for Harrison Barnes gets under the tax because he, Harrison Barnes is on less. But our owners are cheap in it. So we ain't going to compete like Brooklyn and the Clippers yeah. and them. We're not got Steve Ballmer money like out in, in L.A where they can just get Norman Powell and Covington and be like, what's his salary? Ah, I don't care. Well, yeah. Getting rid of Horford is a mistake, man. This don't is, I think, I, I, I that's that. what I mean. I, I, only Bond if the right, is balling, but nah. I think, I think don't the right, it would have to be the right deal. I wouldn't, there's a lot of people saying, oh, look at the money. You've got to move it for the money. And you look at it and you're like, yeah, I mean, 26 million, that could be three mass, that could be three roster contributors, right? Mm. But it has to be the right deal because I think he is he is a really important part of what we do. And Rob Williams, if we want to talk about Rob Williams, Rob Williams is... We talked about Jarrett Allen missing out on All-Star, right? I wouldn't trade Rob Williams for Jarrett Allen. I think Jarrett Allen has a little bit more to him in terms of the post moves and stuff. 
But Rob Williams is better out defending in space. There's um, time for him to develop all of that as well. Yeah, and there is time. He just needs like two drop steps, little little shimmies, whatever, off the glass. He's he's better at defending in space than Jarrett Allen. He's a better passer than Jarrett Allen. Um, Jarrett, and they're, they're, they're as good as each other finishing around the rim. Jarrett Allen's just got a bit of post moves on him. And we're talking about Jarrett Allen being an all-star. So yeah. for me, Rob Williams is is in the three. I did a courtside focus on him a year ago where I talked about yeah. talks about him maybe being that guy with the Jays. Um and uh and lo and behold, it 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 looks like that it's gonna be that way. So losing Horford would be a big problem. What we do defensively, I, I don't know what Rob would do against an Embiid. That would be my only worry, or even a Yanis. Like Horford's a body, Horford has Embiid's number most times he plays him. Um, he's definitely someone you want against Giannis as well. I think it has to be the right deal, but if it is the right deal, um, I'm not against it. I think Harrison Barnes would just add scoring that Horford can't. His shot's fallen off so badly. But we're a very interesting team to watch because I think if we hadn't won four straight, everyone would be saying, yeah, go pivot young, pivot young, get rid of Horford, get rid of forget, forget this season. And all of a sudden now, as I was saying to Sai, we could be over, we could be seeded ahead of the Nets in four days. So, listen, this league, and this is, I guess, this is why we love it. It's there's never a dull moment, really, honestly. And and the and the margins in wins and losses and the narratives that come off the back of these things, um, you just can't contain people. So, kind of like, just calm the, down a bit. I'm like, yeah, get it all out on record, man. Get it out on wax because the plummet is going to be that much sweeter. No, nah, the, the thing is, I, 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 I really say, is my favorite character. You, you look, you look at everyone when they win a title. Yeah, Jason Tatum's our top player. Before. Yeah, yeah, he's where the franchise goes. Okay. Mm. Uh, Kobe aside, because he had Shaq's sort of coattails to to ride on. Shaq first title twenty seven. Yeah. Kobe when he was twenty one had Shaq. You know it helped. Shaq first title twenty seven. Giannis first title twenty six. KD first title twenty six twenty seven. Uh, Jordan first title seventh year. Um, and LeBron, the same, yeah, LeBron, no, 26 27 in Miami. So, I think the one of the biggest criticisms you can level at Jason Tatum right now is that he's only 23, like, he's not going to win you a title today. Is he 23? So, yeah, he's 24, like, in oh, later hell. this season or something. Feels like he's been around forever, oh, yeah. Man. I know, I know, I know, <laughs> I know, but so he's 23. So, by that rule of universal law that the mm. NBA seems to throw up every single time. When yeah. he's 27, he'll win in Los Angeles. There we go. We're not competing yeah. for another two years. Right? <laughs> like, once, once, but that's the thing. When he hits like 25, 26, 27, and he's not winning a title, then you know, all right, cool. That's, that's a problem pro yeah. now. Whereas he's still got three years to get there. And so uh, my thing with the Celtics has been plan for that, plan for that, plan for that. But I think last year, you know, last year we, we were stupid in the play-ins. We could have tanked a game and gone up against Philly, who we're good against, Atlanta, who we're good against. Instead, we wanted to go up against KD in the first round. Right. Pride is pride comes before the fall, boy, before the mm. fall boys. Um, so I, I've been saying pivot young, pivot young, pivot young, but I do think it, it, this season is, we have a bit of a Fugazi record in that we are... Nearly, yeah, near near the nets in terms of in terms of standings. If you look at our losses, we've got an RJ Barrett buzzer beater from the fucking from the hash on the side of the court. We got a twenty four five point game vomited up to the Bulls, nineteen to the Cavaliers. Uh, Christmas Day vomit, like all of a sudden, if if half of our horrible losses, we lost to the Timberwolves G League team, 
if half of those losses, not even half, a third of those losses go the other way, four or five overtime games, then we're a fourth seed and it all looks completely different. I still maintain that we're, if, if Tatum and Brown have good nights, we could play almost anyone in the, in the NBA, definitely everyone in the East. I think if Taylor, thing, Taylor Brown had put scoring, the shoulda, woulda, coulda type of uh, approach to that is those those things are identity markers for the Boston Celtics. That's yeah, they're changing. They are, but they but they they are trending better. That's the only thing I'd say they'll, is that they're, they're trending better. Troughs. We expect that from young guys. Jason Tatum said the other day about about oh, it's been a bit of adjust an adjustment because so early on we saw what could be with yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. The other problem with Tatum and Brown is people are like, uh, certain people are like, ah, oh, their window. I saw someone say their window's shut. Are you mad? Nah, 23 yeah, or 25. Yeah, the problem, the problem, I think the problem with the, with the uh, perception of the Celtics failures, right, is Cleveland are coming out now and they've got guys on rookie deals and la, la, la. And I'm, no one needs to tell me about Evan Mobley. Me and Reams have been talking about Evan Mobley for a year, right? But because they're new and exciting, everyone's like, oh, my God, look at the Cavs. Cavs ain't even had a playoff series. We have no idea how they're going to do when people scheme for the pick and roll and everything like that. People like Atlanta. Atlanta have had a worse record than the Boston Celtics the entire season, being behind us the entire season the year after getting to the conference finals, there's not a peep. There's not a peep. So the the magnifying glass in Boston and in New York and in LA added to the fact that we had a window with Kyrie, arguably a win window with Kemba and Horford where we could have got to a finals and, and flopped against Miami. That that has really tainted the view of, of it. But I think people need to see this more as this is Brad Stevens' first year as GM. He hasn't really missed on any of his moves so far. Rookie head coach Ime Odoka, who I am a lot more confident in in January, December than I was in October, November. So it's his first year as well. Yeah. So I think he's, I think a bit of reframing needs to happen where there's not got a flexibility of rookie deals, but this is the first year that them two have been point of attack creators. That they, uh, Tatum and Brown, that them two have had the ball in their hands the entire time. They haven't had mm. any senior guys to defer to. So I think. When you look at it like that, we're okay. I'm not saying we're yeah. in a great spot because I think we haven't drafted well. I don't need to get started on that. I have on Twitter enough times. Yeah. We haven't drafted well. Um, and the two guys now are on big money, similar to yeah. Dallas with Luca. So you've, you've missed that opportunity to add. Yeah. I never wanted Kemba. I was on this podcast saying I didn't yeah. want Kemba um, when we signed him. So there's been missteps, but we've got a new GM, new coach. So that is as new, uh, that is as fresh a start. That's as a new play. regime, yeah. You've got you have to you have to see it like that. I think it's a it's a new regime, but it's old players. So it's almost kind <laughs> of and obviously Brad Stevens was was the coach, right? So it's almost like people see it's one big long regime. So it's like under this regime, you know, they got to the they got to the Eastern Conference final. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. It's, it's continuity without it being exact continuity. But I'll, continuity, I'll, I'll ask yeah. you this. I'll ask you this, right? Um. Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, Jarrett Allen. Amazing three for Cleveland to take forward. Mm -hmm. Jarrett Allen, Robert Williams, Evan Mobley, Jason Tatum, Darius Garland, Jalen Brown. 
you know, there's not it's, much so one, it. Yeah, one's got this exciting future, and one of them are in the mud and and, and stuck in. Uh, they're, they're fresh. fresh. They're, they're fresh. fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Look, and, and, then, and then and then again, we'll go. We'll go to we'll go to the best team in the NBA. We'll go to the Phoenix Suns, best team in the NBA. If we look at their drafted core, right, and this mm. is where I think the Chris Paul thing is so significant for the Phoenix Suns because I look at it from this perspective, right? DeAndre Ayton, Robert Williams, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, Macau Bridges. Jalen Brown, mm. like like uh, uh, Johnson, Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, like the the core draftees of us and the best team in the NBA. Again, I don't think there's a lot in it. Someone could turn around and say Aiton and Booker over Rob Williams and Tatum. That's fine, but I don't think there's a lot in it. I think their real finds have been Cameron Payne out of the G League, Javale McGee uh, buying in and, and coming in on free agency, and then the Chris Paul trade. And I think that's the difference maker because. And Monty Williams. Monty Williams has been around the league years. Great coach. So I think we we still have this window and still have a good core to build around. The problem is we lack that flexibility as if we had just started this two years earlier. That's the problem. Yeah, I we think should have started this two I years think earlier. It, it, it takes on a different it takes on a different sort of narrative based on the fact that those two guys, before their ascension to being all-stars, had everything a young player would dream of a mm. Kyrie Irving or Horford Hayward like that that's that's a spoil of riches that's a luxury mm. but then I think organization like Brown. almost harness in that moment and just make the best of it yeah men it turns yeah, into but different it, narratives man I get that and then Celtics like Gordon Hayward doesn't break his Celtics curse. Gordon break, Hayward don't break his uh, ankle. It all changes. But yeah, I think I think the thing I would just say as well is it's almost been a a problem. Someone like Ant Edwards, right? Because I see a lot of parallels mm. with him and Jalen Brown that they are athletes coming in who have to refine certain things. Um, Ant Edwards has had a year and a half where he's had the ball in his hands like forty percent of the time. Whether it be Rubio or Russell, the other sixty, like he's had the ball in his hands. Bleh. And he's getting those reps. He's getting those experiences. Devin Booker got to put up every shot he wanted, every shot under the sun on a terrible Suns right, team. Four years. <laughs> for like four years. Trey Young got those, he got those reps. Like, whereas someone like Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown is like, he's 25 now and his assist to turnover ratio is abysmal. Like he makes the wrong read a lot because he's been in the corner while Kyrie, while Kemba, while Hayward, while Smart have been playmaking. So you hope that, he can accelerate his development. You hope that Tatum has got a lot better as a playmaker. That There's been some really good signs there. I think the coaching change has been very good for Tatum, I have to say. Um, but yeah, but I just find it... I don't think we're like as clean slate as some might say like with a new yeah, fresh. But I think it is a new regime and you ha still have these players who aren't peaking for two, three years. Um but I think they need to be very savvy with the moves. And that's where this this is where the Horford thing comes into it. It's like you might lose out this year on getting rid of Horford. But if you can get someone who's peaking in two years, it that back fits the trajectory in line, then, then yeah. But um, listen, I say this now and we're playing tonight. We'll go and lose to the Orlando Magic. That's just right. it. That's and, and, then you'll hate, and then you'll hate them that's, all over again. That's oh, what we oh, do. Oh, but... Classic, yeah? Yeah, let's <laughs> get it. There we go. Let's, it, let's, let's finish up with a, a bit of... Um, trade talk with the trade deadline four days away now um obviously the the big trade that, that's happened recently um is between the clippers and the trailblazers and i'd love you guys to talk me through it so the clippers have got for their trouble norman powell and 
uh, Roll Call, Robert Covington, uh, Trailblazers, Justice Winslow, Eric Bledsoe, Keon Johnson, and Detroit's 2025 second round pick. Um, I'd love you to talk me through it, Mariah. Because I have a clue. Like, and it's so crazy. Obviously, Dave's out injured uh, with all these kind of like his. Now nah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know, I'm not gonna leave the Trailblazers. Just need them to support me. Get players in. What are they yeah, trying yeah, to do? There's a big what, second what, sentence that. Though, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are they hey. trying to do? I don't understand. But, but I, I said I've been saying on the Twitter bracket YJ parentheses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> them man need to, them man need to blow up and stop pretending. They the the I was oh, it's yeah. so funny. It's like right. So no Dame, cool. Their next two through six: McCollum, Nurkic, Covington, Anthony Simmons, and uh, Powell started against OKC and put up eighty-one points. If that is not a franchise that because all of those players in isolation are contributors, like. Like you could send any of those guys to a contending team and they will add something, whether it's Nurkic inside and a little bit of stretch big play, whether it's power flame throwing, CJ frame flame throwing, um, Roko's defensive versatility. You could put them in any team and they'd add something together. Sorry, boys, it's just not Larry Nance is another one, it's just not working, right? So, dead, it's done, it's, it is done because they're all this is what I'm saying. We just talked about windows and people peaking, they're all past 26, 27, they're all 28, 29, 30. Mm. They did, and I'm saying they need to blow it up now. The bit so the trade isn't confusing for me. The fact that they have lost, they got rid of Norman Powell, got rid of Robert Covington. That's cool. Do you know how long I was looking at my Twitter waiting for the follow up tweet from Wodge saying all the picks they were getting from from someone? <laughs> I was waiting for like 20 minutes. <laughs> obviously, the, obviously, the OKC have all the, and Houston have all the Clippers picks. So I was waiting yeah. for a third team to get involved with all the picks, and yeah. I was like. Watch, bruv. Where the, where are the picks? How are they get like you got Anthony Simons, who's who's looking really really positive, not a franchise player, but really positive mm-hmm. and young. Where are the picks to put around him? What is going on? And then it's so funny because I tweeted about a, the Gary Trent Jr. trade, where they wanted to get help in for Dame. Got Norman Powell. Norman Powell's a very good player, great scorer. Five years older than Gary Trent Jr. and not as good a defender. They mm. dashed him out to Toronto. Gary Trent Jr. is having a career year in steals and, and hustle plays and shooting. And now they've just got rid of him for Bledsoe. <laughs> that when uh, Soldier Boy said, Drake, Bledsoe. That franchise has just shown that they don't know what they're doing because they could have got some sort of return for Dame in the summer, I think. If they well, I mean, Dame wanted to go to the Lakers in the summer. He's just, he's basically admitted. Okay. He said, "I turned they it chose, down," chose, which yeah, basically means I considered it. Yeah, and they chose Westbrook, and obviously I said it all along. I, I was I was saying order shifting and everything. Before I, ever, before I ever got got mentioned, I was like, "Yo, Dame, the is, LA, it makes sense." Just the, get the him thing over is, there. It, it definitely makes sense. I think the thing is, the thing is, if you'd asked me in, in the, the summer gulag, why man. they didn't take the Westbrook deal, if you asked me in the summer, I would have said. Look at the Wizards. I mean, now you could look at the Wizards. Like you got you got Kuzma mid to late twenties, Harold mid to late twenties, uh, KCP late twenties. Like you're not really going anywhere with those guys. You're, you're Portland of the East with those guys, right? Yeah. So you need to do what Orlando have done, where they say, "Yo, we're cleaning house proper." Cole Anthony, Franz Wagner, Jalen Suggs, Mo Bamba, proper clean house. 
So I, I get why Portland wouldn't have done the Dame to th and also context, you know, like new head coach, they want to, and part of that new head coach was uh, Dame wanted kid. They got Billups, you know, I don't know how annoyed he is with that, but they wanted to get, I guess, one more year. So I get why they don't take that deal. Surely there is someone in the league with more to offer than an expiring Bledsoe Justin. Because listen, let, I mean, if you're going to go with a rebuilding thing, then the young kid they got, Keon Johnson is the centerpiece of that in terms of a rebuild. Keon Johnson, um, uh, I think he's a Tennessee Vol. He's from ten uh, and Tennessee College. He's unbelievably athletic, like run, dunk, bang, everything. Um, he's an unbelievable athlete. I think he even set a, broke a record in the draft combine. But again, he's not a centerpiece like him and Simmons. Without a high, high, high draft pick, you're not going anywhere with those two mm. either. I think so these, these I things tend to happen in stages, though. So this this will be the first. The yeah, first I get that. Hey, Dame, Dame is gone in it. They're gonna get rid of yeah. Dame. Aren't they? They're gonna need a hall he's, of picks he's out for Dame. I think I think that's what maybe people need to watch for for Damon McCollum is look at whoever has an abundance of picks. So you're looking at New Orleans from the Drew trade. You're looking at obviously OKC if they decide enough is enough and we want to actually make SGA's play go for something. Presti's um, waiting for his generational play. Remember, Presti's been teased with Durant, Westbrook, no, and Harden. No, he ain't he settling for... he's, yeah, he's waiting for his generational player yeah, again. But he, I think he... I think New, New Orleans have a lot of picks. Um, the Pings, the Kings have a lot of picks. Boston have all their own picks. I hope we're not getting involved in that because timeline. <laughs> um, the, I think the Knicks have a fair few picks. No, no. Yeah, I think the Knicks have a fair few picks, maybe from getting rid of Porzingis. I can't remember for sure. But I think look up teams that have that are straddling that have a bit of a bit about them in terms of well, Julius Randle for Dame Lillard, yeah. Well, yeah, Julius Randle was basically informally oh. requested a trade allegedly. So <laughs> yes, yeah. so, you've, you've got the Thunder have got six. Uh, you got the Pelicans with four. Pistons with four. Knicks with four. Nets with four. Well, this was mm, to be fair. This was in July, so maybe things have shifted. Things have shifted around a bit. Um, and yeah, off the top of my head, they have. I don't know where. Yeah, I, what's Dame's value now? Like he's getting to that. He, he hasn't had the best season. Now he's picking up injuries as well. Um, he's gonna need the ball in his hand the vast majority of his time. Of the time, he's an absolute sieve defensively. Um, yeah, they may have. I mean, what you what you've just described there does sound perfect for the Lakers. To be fair, like all of, <laughs> all of those like, points, like, old. Like. Old, hurt, needs the ball in his hands, can't defend. Jeez, yeah. Get that boy to get that boy a crypt walk into the crypto.com. That is he is perfect. But yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I think as well, he I don't know, like it has to be a contender. It has to be a contender. Kyrie's allowed to play in, in Portland, I think. He ain't going anywhere. Really, <laughs> hey, when 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 it looked like Kyrie was gonna get uh shipped out. I was saying Dame is the only option realistically, but yeah, that window is closed, man. <laughs> yeah. That window is but closed. Firmly shut. Unless from yeah. the other side, look at things for the from the Clippers. Um, they're two best players out, but they're still they're still in where they in the, the uh, West. They're seventh, eighth. Um, yeah. so they, and they, OKC have their pick this year, so there's no use tanking for them. And I think that might have played a, a part in it. But I'm when I won't lie, I thought talk about things in stages. I thought this trade would be announced. And then we're going to find out that Kawhi and Paul George are coming back for the playoffs. 
I, I think thought, right, cool. still may, I think it's there, still there maybe. are rumors that Kawhi will yeah. be back. I think it's still maybe it, it feels it's very much given we're going in. It's very much given like okay, we can see the West. There is yeah, the Suns are the best team, um, or the Golden State Warriors, depending. But they can be. We feel like they can be got. At. Yeah, they can. And, be got, and yeah. we still got yeah two of what the te- the top fifteen players in the league. I don't know what's happening with Paul George. That feels like he's out for the season. But Kawhi potentially. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one, man. That's why I'm surprised. We'll see what happens with him. But let's say they're healthy. Kawhi, if Kawhi were to win without Paul George, fuck man. Oh, I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I need it. I, I need something. I need something. No, if, let, let, if, if we run through, if we run through that team now, let's say they are healthy. You got Kawhi and Paul George starting, and then you got Powell around them, uh, Rocco around them. Batum is a sniper from those corners. Um, Canard around them. He's having a massive, massive year after getting that contract uh, that Reggie. was shit on a little bit, but he's, he's sniping from deep all over the place. Reggie Jackson's having a bad shooting year, but then he's had big moments like against Lakers the other night, and he he it's a tale of two years of him in the playoffs. He's had a terrible, yeah. terrible playoffs, and then a really, really strong one. So, but he's a he's great off the bench for them. And then you just you think of the defending like Norman Powell's not a defensive player. Cool, he's not a stopper. But you got Paul George, Kawhi, Robert Covington, um, whichever center you want to run, whether it be Zubac or Ibaka, like, you know, is what it is. And then Batum, that is a lockdown five. If you have Batum at the four, their center at the five, and then the other three are Covington, Kawhi, and and Paul George sharing the playmaking duties. Um, they, they they keep saying our oh, point guard needed and stuff like that, but there's always buyout candidates for those guys. So. So they've they've got and, and by the way again like Ty Lue in so many games has showed himself to be a good coach not just in the playoffs last year without Kawhi but even mm. in little games that the thing is the Clippers are a bit out of sight out of mind because no one not I don't even think Janine's watching the Clippers this season like they are out of sight out of mind without the stars but whenever you do watch them Ty Lue's doing his thing man and Ty Lue is getting them things in the win column the hell of a job his, man for his yeah. own work um, so I think they're that's that's a great move for them, and they got off Bledsoe, who had had like a few good nights, and horrid, and then hor- horrid player, horrid player, horrible, horrid player. Cool. Um, there's another trade that we've kind of got. We're hearing murmurs about um your boy Karis Levert, Sai, um being strongly strongly linked with Cleveland, who probably won a bit more at the at the guard spot after um Sexton and Ricky Rubio um going down for the season. Um, what do you think he potentially gives them? Um, I think they, they they like what they see, you know. They that boy's boy a needle mover, man. That boy is a needle mover. He's he's one of those guys that on any given like he got his career high a couple nights back. Uh, I think it was forty two points or something like that. Um, the guy can be lights out at any given moment. So getting someone like that in is always beneficial, especially going into the playoffs, which you do expect the Cleveland Cavaliers to to make now. Um, so yeah, man, I think it's a good move. I, I that whole situation at uh, Indiana is a little bit interesting because the rumors all season have been that they're just going to blow it up and rebuild. So pretty much everyone is is up for grabs. So they're going to blow it up and rebuild, but then they they want like a ransom for Sabonis. So it's like, <laughs> make your mind up. <laughs> what do you want to do? Well, yeah, there's some there's some good pieces of ransom bonus that there's a t- they're, 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 they are the port. I've mentioned it, but they are the Portland of the East where. Yeah, every single one of their guys can go and be useful somewhere. Holiday can go be useful off the bench somewhere. Sabonis can go and totally transform a team. 
Miles Turner would be great uh, somewhere that they need some some offense from a from a center. Um, Levert is obviously being linked with the Cavs, and I think Levert feels maybe the only need they have at the moment where Sexton's out. They don't really seem that keen on extending Sexton either for the money he wants. Okoro, I really like, but offensively he he makes me sick. He's awful. Um, and then Markinen is is streaky, so they do need that kind of guy who can create his own stuff off the wing. Um, and then and then yeah, like even even the Brogdon Brogdon is on a lot of money, but Brogdon can go and help a contending team. Um, they've got a lot of a lot of good players that just it's Portland. They're just not working. And then you have got Rick Carlisle there. Rick Carlisle is an authoritarian coach who would probably benefit from having young guys, I think. And I think we'll quite enjoy it, like being able to school people on on the game and the exit knows and how to and how to be a team. So I don't know. Yeah, they're dragging their feet on this rebuild, but um but it needs to happen. Like but then the problem is if you have, have you ever watched them on League Pass at home, there is no one there. And this is a state that love basketball. Indiana is one of the biggest basketball states in the country and they can't fill their arena for shit. So I don't know how I think when they say rebuild, they mean retool because I think two, two, three years of losing 50 games isn't great. Like I only realized it when I watched them and there was something on Twitter about their, their seats are going for like a dollar at some nights. Yeah. What you yeah, watch yeah. them, you watch them. And I thought that there was like new COVID restrictions or something, but there's not, they just can't get a bum on a seat, bruv. And so I don't know. I think they're scared to rebuild, but, but I mean, look at team, someone like Orlando, like man. Is usually, they yeah, benefit, I they benefit yeah, yeah, from they, going super duper young and just yeah, bro, building I've, like that, it's better, that sort it's, of a uh, weird, weird, like uh, we're going to watch these guys grow. They're going to have, I would much rather watch an Orlando now than an Orlando when you realize that Vooch, Gordon and, and, and Fournier were going to lose the first round every year. Every, well, like yeah, at least exactly, exactly. at least with Cole Anthony and, and Wagner, you have at least you have the hope of what may be instead mm-hmm. of what is the exactly. reality of what is. Indy Indy need to just just help help all of the contenders get better. That that that's, that should be their <laughs> MO. <laughs> they should do what Shaq and uh, Shaq and Rick are doing in our fantasy basketball. <laughs> yeah, trust. Do you know well, what the, the, the other team for that? By the way, I'm, sh- I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure they're gonna have to make a move at some point. But if you ever see anyone on the trade uh, machine or ESPN trade machine on Twitter, I swear the Sacramento Kings are everyone's third team. It's like, yeah, we're just gonna send Buddy Hill here, Harrison Barnes here, uh, uh, Jaron take Fox, a flag, Jaron yeah, Fox yeah, yeah. here. It's like it's just these teams that just exist to. That's like, how the team, by the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah to... well, Halliburton needs to get the fuck out of there. So him and Davion Mitchell, yeah, <laughs> I like them both. But I, I, although fantastic arena, lovely arena, great food as well, <laughs> lovely stuff, guys. Um, yeah, so much goes on in this league within a week, and yeah, you want to get talking, you can't help but keep talking. You look up, and we've been on this pod for ninety minutes. I think it's a it's a nice place to stop there. So Sai, always a pleasure. Appreciate you coming on, you know, taking us through all things uh the Brooklyn Nets. G- good luck with whatever's going on over there, brother. Laugh <laughs> <laughs> while you can. Laugh while you can. <laughs> it's gonna be a minute. And uh yes <laughs> always a pleasure our, our, our leading correspondent out in the out in the east. Um nice one boys. Peace. Bless. Bless. 
Social Podcast Network.